I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. Welcome back to this week's Hot Take Summer episode. This is the series where I'm taking you through my raw professional opinions on current spicy topics that have been very uh, proliferative in the health and wellness space. Um, These topics have been chosen by our listeners and community. So you already know this is going to be good stuff because it is. And for those of you who are listening and realize like, hey, that's the thing I wanted her to talk about. Yes, I'm talking about it because you told me to. (laughs) But first, let's remember that you are always welcome to have differing opinions on any of the things that I talk about. I don't want you to feel like I want you to change your thoughts just because of what I say, but it's very welcome that you come into all of these chats with an open mind and understand that I'm just going to be sharing what I have learned and deduced from my career over a decade in the health and wellness space professionally, and I am constantly changing my mind as well. There's always science that's changing and adapting and growing, especially for the female wellness world, because we are just finally getting studied more seriously and taken more seriously, unfortunately, but also fortunately, because better late than never, I guess. But with that said, do know that I just invite you to kind of explore these concepts and kind of experience it for yourself, because everybody's reaction and interpretation of these concepts might be unique given your own backgrounds and whatnot. So I want to set the table by saying that first so that you know that everything we're talking about is not always a one-size-fits-all because life and health is not a one-size-fits-all even though we try to kind of orient our culture in that direction. But with that also said, I would love for you to share anything that you love from these episodes, reshare this podcast if you would love to spread the word of my take and my approach to the wellness space. And definitely follow me um, and our squad on at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram or my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. And also, I do want to invite you to join our email list on coachbykales.com or coachkales.com scroll down, find the newsletter, add your email. I don't send spam. I never send spam. It's only like high quality heads ups on 
okay, this is what episodes you missed this month. You know, I'm not going to be sending you like every single week things, at least not for now. So if you are somebody who um, would love to join our community and get the heads up on this exciting new stuff that is on its way, um, be the first to know when it drops, definitely join our email list there. And I think that's all that I want to say for all of that stuff. So let's get into today's topic without any more chatter. (laughs) Gluten. So I do want to mention that this episode is going to talk a little bit about the history of gluten and the modern science of wheat itself. But also I'm going to share at the end a lot of very interesting label notes uh, for like nutrition labels of like names of things to look out for when you are purchasing items to kind of be ahead of the game and understand what that might do for yourself, um, for your own body and digestive system. And I'm also going to share some stories and some really interesting things to think about to explore for yourself and see if you might actually be a good candidate for removing gluten from your diet, or if you're somebody who it might not be a big deal to. So stay tuned all the way to the end, and I will give you those secrets after this. So again, we are going into a hot take. It was so hard for me to make this topic into a hot take because I would love to dive into more of the science with you behind this. So if this topic became interesting for you, please let me know and I will do a future episode a lot deeper into gluten and the debates on gluten and all of that because I was having a really hard time trying to keep this short because as I kind of fact-checked myself or thought through some of the things I have learned in the past, I did some more research and then it's like opening Pandora's freaking box because there is so much controversy around gluten and it's honestly a double-edged sword, I'm going to say, because when we really look at anything in the food world, especially for big grain, big anything is kind of what we're talking about, a big corporation, like people who are cashing out on the sales of different food items, pharmaceuticals, dieting products, or whatever. Big grain is a huge influence, especially nowadays, because they realized, hey, with this whole plant-based movement, we can capitalize on our plants (laughs) and make turn our crops that are already like grains into more plant-based oriented food items. And this is where you're seeing a lot of the culmination of fake plant-based meats, and a whole bunch of derived sources of like protein, like wheat protein and wheat gluten protein and a whole bunch of things. So unfortunately, we're kind of seeing it go in a direction where we're not really moving towards the true heart of the plant-based movement, because I do believe that there is a lot of concepts and versions of veganism that are supportive of an overall big picture for the planet or whatnot, or for the animals. There's a lot of uh, misinformation, misunderstandings, and ways that, of course, people with deep pockets want to make them even deeper (laughs) to capitalize on what's popular. And so there are, unfortunately, big wigs that are taking advantage of the plant-based movement and cashing out on it by creating more products that actually are not health forward, but still can be labeled plant-based. So they kind of trick you into believing that this is supportive of 
your plant-based diet and your goals to reduce your animal consumption or whatever. And so I just want to kind of let you guys know that unfortunately, it's important to understand that as we kind of go into this topic, because I think more now than ever, we are seeing a huge push for plant-based items, but it's not in a direction where it's actually supportive of a human body's health and even less so for a female body's health, because we're also seeing a lot of phytoestrogenic reactions in the female bodies to too much of these plant-based enzymes and different phytochemicals that come from plants. Phyto meaning plant and uh, estrogens. Plants make estrogenic compounds that mimic estrogen in the body. This can be beneficial for some amounts and this can be very negative for other things. So very important that you understand that a little bit. Um, I would love to go into that deeper But right now we're going to keep it kind of on the gluten topic, but I do want to make sure that that's understood because I keep seeing it over and over again that people are just, you know, living their life, trusting the labels and trying to do the best they can with what they have. And unfortunately, because we're not taught nutrition stuff and how to circumvent the uh, shadiness of food labeling and such, we get tricked into believing certain things we're purchasing or consuming are actually healthful or supportive of a bigger cause. And in reality, it's actually harming us and just making these big grain people richer. That is not conspiracy theory. That is just legitimately what is happening in the background. And everybody in the nutrition world and people who are in like food science and such know that it's going on because it's what funds most of everything, <laughs> you know, everything that's food studies usually is funded by one of these big corporations to make sure that the FDA approves their items so that they can keep selling them and making more and more money because that is unfortunately what is the darkest side of capitalism. Let's not get into that too much, <laughs> but I hope that that's a little bit helpful for you to kind of see a bigger picture because behind all food in especially the U.S., And I will say I'm specifically speaking to the U.S. because this is my scope. We are seeing just a ton of stuff getting kind of icky from my side because I would really love everything to be really like health forward, human forward. But um, instead, it's got like a little hello, my name is type of sticker on them saying like, I am healthy, you know, I am plant based. But in reality, it's like the devil in sheep's clothing kind of thing. But if you've ever wondered what the freaking heck is gluten, you know, besides it being demonized. (laughs) It is a general name for the protein that's found in wheat, wheat berries, durum, semolina, spelt, farina, farro, kamut, rye, and barley. And it's the two main protein or the two main proteins that are in gluten are glutenin and gelatin. And It is also kind of important to understand that these two proteins can be digested differently for different bodies, Um, but the main protein that's responsible for most of the adverse health effects of gluten is gelatin. And I might be pronouncing that wrong, (laughs) but it's gelatin, (laughs) G-L-I-A-D-I-N. But innately, gluten has been in our ancient grains for a very long time. So it's been around in the wheat seed for a very long time or the wheat plant. And the thing that is really interesting to observe is that we have seen it change as our crops have had to get bigger, more robust and more resilient. So the most important thing from my understanding is that 
when we started to create more robust crops to feed more people in here in the U.S., We didn't specifically genetically modify because wheat is a crop that actually isn't allowed to be genetically engineered yet, but we did start to cross and breed stronger versions of wheat over the years to see which ones can withstand against blight, which is a name for um, when plants, especially like crops, get diseased and basically get wasted. Um, so we've taken a lot of these foods or these variations of these wheat plants and kept the seeds of the ones that withstood the most adverse situations over time. And we've also tested other wheat crops and seeds from other areas in the country. So we've taken different wheat plants and seeds from around the world and kind of created a new wheat variety that has helped us keep the crops from wasting. Because overall, the more crops that get wasted, the more money is lost, and the more people that don't get fed, right? So from the most kind of no opinions involved standpoint, it makes sense why we've altered our wheat in a way that has adapted to being the least wasteful and the most resilient and robust. What ended up happening with this, from my understanding, is that we utilize a kind of cross between an Indian varietal of wheat because it had a thicker, more robust stock that didn't fall over. Not falling over basically means it didn't get diseased or moldy faster because if you don't know anything about farming or growing plants, gardening, etc., you really don't want your plants to be touching the dirt or the soil because the soil can bring a lot of disease and different Uh, bugs and infestations, um, or too much moisture, you know, a whole bunch of stuff to the plant that is not ideal. So usually you want the plant to continue to go grow upright, keep touching the sun, grow its fruit or whatnot, and then you harvest it and then plow the field, redo it again. So you don't want things getting wilty, falling over, blocking the other plants too much, you know, being very uniform is important and um, not going too much into farm science, but which I'm not an expert on. Just let me make sure you know that if you couldn't tell already, but it is important to kind of understand like why we do what we do to our plants to make sure that you understand what is happening. So also an effort to do that because they could not legally genetically modify these plants. They have adapted chemicals to protect these plants to continue for a higher yield of crop and make sure that everything kind of is as big and juicy as possible. So wheat is obviously not juicy, but just producing as much wheat as possible, essentially. So we've started utilizing different things like Roundup, And if you haven't already heard of Roundup, it's also referred to as glyphosate. That is the active ingredient in Roundup. It is one of the best herbicides um, available, but best meaning that it does its job really well, not meaning that it's great for the human body to consume. And with that said, research published in the Journal of Interdisciplinary Toxology proposes that glyphosate, which is in the herbicide Roundup, like I just said, is the most important causal factor in increasing celiac disease and gluten intolerance worldwide. So they hypothesize that the herbicide weakens the tight junctions between cells in the intestines, 
leading to inflammation and ultimately leaky gut. And if you don't know what leaky gut is, essentially it's the the gaps between the cells in the lining of your intestines are weakened. And so food particles can get between them and through them into your bloodstream. And that's not good because food is not meant to, particles of food are not meant to go into your bloodstream. So if it's left untreated, the inflammation can cause long-term health issues, including Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease where the body starts to attack the thyroid cells. This is really fascinating and interesting, especially because those of you who do know me know that my fiance is actually somebody who has that. Um, And it makes a whole bunch of sense because knowing his what he's been eating his entire life has been highly glutinous. (laughs) So um, unfortunately, I have a lot of understanding that this can be a huge issue for a lot of people, especially because gluten is yummy. Gluten products are so yummy. You know, they have a whole bunch of chewy, yummy, addictive qualities like baguettes. Who's going to say no to a baguette? If you had an option of just sitting and eating a baguette or just sitting, I think people would probably want to sit and eat a baguette, right? (laughs) But the importance of why I talk about the glyphosate factor is that it could be arguably the biggest reason, unfortunately, that most wheat products and other gluten products are affecting humans, especially like the humans here in the U.S., because we do use Roundup on all of our gluten-containing crops. So all of our wheat and rye and barley and spelt, etc., we do use glyphosate on it because Roundup is just so effective and efficient at what it's supposed to do to try to keep all of the um, disease and everything away from these plants so these crops don't waste at all, that farmers prioritize using that since they're allowed to. And unfortunately, the U.S. has not banned it. Many, many countries have banned Roundup from their crops because they've seen the evidence and the scientific studies. Um, But unfortunately, apparently it's not enough for the U.S. and we still have it used on those products. So it may not actually be just the gluten itself. It might actually be a lot more contributed to uh, everybody's intolerances and celiac disease and such might be related to gluten more so because of the Roundup. So that's why it's important for me to kind of say that because that's also my understanding through um, schooling for nutrition and such is understanding that we don't pay enough attention to how the chemicals affect our bodies here in the U.S. and the FDA will approve things even without longevity studies. Um, The FDA honestly is not as hardcore as I thought it should be. You know, unfortunately, as I learn more and more, I wish it was a little bit more strict and a little less profit driven. But unfortunately, everything here is profit driven. So that's important to understand that my biggest concern with gluten when I'm talking to my clients and when I'm consuming it myself is just that I want to reduce my exposure to as much of that glyphosate chemical as possible. Yes, there's a lot of chemicals on all foods, but since we do know and have hard evidence that glyphosate is negative for the human body, could point towards other issues for our babies and things like that, including autism, we really want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and reducing it as much as possible. So um, that brings me to kind of my hot take more so on gluten. It's really important to understand that you always get a choice on what you consume. 
you don't have to be team gluten, team not gluten. You don't have to be black or white about it. My approach is reduce it, maybe cut it out for several weeks, reintroduce it, see how your body reacts. Do you get bloaty? Do you get brain fog? Do you get inflammation that you can feel like swelling joints or puffy face? And do you maybe get sick? Maybe you get barfy. Maybe you get headaches. Those are all signs that you're intolerant to gluten and or the chemicals used in gluten uh, or gluten products rather. And if that is you, also acne, acne is one of them for sure. Um, if you are getting reactions when you reintroduce gluten products, you may want to explore an 80 or 90% gluten-free life. Oh my gosh, I could never do that. You might be thinking that, you know? Um, my best advice for anyone who thinks that there's no way I could cut out gluten, I love pizza, I love bread, I love whatever, you know? I do too. I freaking do too. But I actually have just found that reducing my consumption of it overall not only helps my body composition and my energy and my overall physical health, it also makes it a little more special in the times that I do indulge in pizza and things like that. We do have to remember that a lot of food items that are like commonplace these days are actually still treats. So not just in the sense of sugar, because like obviously an ice cream sundae or something is for sure a treat, but so is pizza and so is anything that is a really in a burger. Those are treat meals because they're so high in so many different um, macronutrients, like they're high in fat, they're high in carb, oftentimes very low in protein still, which is why it's kind of a red flag. And that's how I kind of differentiate treats from meals is if the protein is like incomparable to the amounts of carbs and fats involved in it, it's probably a treat. Um, and that's a good little rule of thumb for you. If you are looking at a label and the carbs are 75 grams for a serving and the fats are like 40 or 30 grams of fat and the protein's like 12 grams, you know, not a good source of protein and a very high source of carbs and fat. And something to understand too, if you haven't listened to any of the macro series, episodes 19 through 22, or any of the other episodes where I've talked about this. When you're over consuming carbs and fat, carbs and fat are your energy nutrients. And so they get stored. They will always be stored as fat if they're in excess and you don't burn them with your activity in the next couple of days. Thus, if you're over consuming those or you're frequently eating burgers or you're frequently eating burritos or any of these items that tend to not have very good sources of protein to balance out the carbs and fat, you're most likely storing fat or not able to burn fat at all. And a lot of those items contain gluten. So you're also getting a double whammy of too much nutrients or too much macronutrients. Um, so AKA too much calories. And you're also getting inflammation and other potential um, gut issues from the gluten itself. So that's where we tend to see a lot of people stay in this kind of stuck inflammatory and um, caloric surplus state because it's not very productive of good health, unfortunately. And I would define things that are productive of good health as being good quality whole food sources with high amounts of good quality protein and fiber, as well as good natural fats in every meal that nourish you. You want to think of your food as nourishment and fuel, 
not as just the next thing to eat to get by, because that's going to give you a body that's just getting by. If you want a body that's not just getting by, you need to feed it and take care of it in a way that's going to make it thrive and energetic and operating optimally. So if it came to the question of whether or not you should go gluten-free, speaking to most of my females, males as well, but dominantly to my females, since that is my listening base and my you know expertise, you should probably consider cutting out gluten at least 60% at first. Move it into the 70%, move it into the 80%, which would look like like 60 to 80% less gluten looks like you're not having gluten five to six days out of the week. One day, maybe you have something that has gluten in it. Then you can try cutting it out to like hardly ever at all and only having it on certain special occasions. I'm a huge person to support balance in life because I, I see the benefits of being as healthy, healthful as you can as often as possible, but also enjoying life and living your life because in reality, the amount of time we have here on earth is quite short, but that isn't in a way where you shouldn't feel good and take care of yourself as best you can more often than not, but it's also in a way where it's okay and you totally have absolute permission to enjoy yourself and do the things that the humans do nowadays. So I'm not going to be somebody who's like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should take out this. You should blah, blah, blah. Because honestly, I find that a little bit as like um, nutritional elitism because you're talking to like one very specific little group of girls in LA or something like that who can actually eat like that and afford that lifestyle. In reality, a lot of us have different life situations, different ethnic backgrounds, different upbringings and ideas of health, you know. And so some people don't really need to be as perfect on everything. And I think that that's that's okay. And that's ideal. And I'm like having another hard day of speaking. But I just want to make sure that you understand that me asking you to reduce your gluten or mentioning it. I'm not necessarily asking you, but me suggesting you try it has always gotten my clients in better health. I have worked with hundreds of clients and once they finally cut out gluten, whether it was from listening to me or listening to somebody else who finally said the same thing again, their health has significantly improved once they finally removed a lot of gluten containing products. And that's not just because they stopped eating like ho-hos and mini muffins. You know, it's actually because removing little traces here and there of gluten containing products or maybe glyphosate containing products has benefited their health because they finally got to get to a place where they have less inflammation in their body and especially in their gut, which closes those tight gap junctions that should not be open to letting food into your bloodstream and then healing the body so that it actually can absorb nutrients and, um, poop properly. You know, it's not vulgar to talk about poop. Poop is so important. And poop is a report card. Your period is a report card Report card of your health every month. And your poop is a report card of your health every day. If things are not normal and not flowing, you're not detoxing properly, and you're going to be experiencing negative effects of all of that, honestly. Um, especially one of the main things I see is if you don't have bowel movements consistently daily, you're probably keeping too much estrogen in your body because excess estrogen is excreted in your fecal matter. And if you're just holding it all up in there, whatever your lifestyle is or your eating habits are, your body will reuptake that estrogen. And then you get into that position of estrogen dominance 
or you have too much estrogen in comparison to progesterone. But all that to say, when your body is in an estrogen dominant state, you pile on body fat like nobody's business. You're going to see body fat patterning in your thighs, hips, and lower belly, and sometimes backs of your arms. That's female body fat patterning in general, but we really shouldn't be seeing a ton of belly fat. And if you do have a ton of belly fat, that correlates to the two hormones, cortisol and estrogen. And when estrogen is not checked by your progesterone, which is the whole point of why I'm talking about this, you're going to see a lot of belly fat in that area. And then that's going to cause kind of more hormonal distress. So pay attention to your body's little report cards, as in what is your cycle like? Are your symptoms horrible? Are they okay? Or are they like mild or not at all? Uh, If they're horrible, something is wrong. I don't care who tells you that it's normal. It's common. It's not normal. Second part If your bowel movements are not healthy, you most likely are going through a situation where uh, your gut is messed up. And if your gut isn't healthy, your mind isn't healthy and your body isn't healthy. Your gut is our second brain and it controls so many things, so many, so many things. And if you have imbalances or viruses living in your gut or um, proliferations of bad bacteria in your gut. You know, all these things that you can actually get tested if you get a fecal test by a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath. Western medicine doctors will run it, but they don't interpret the answers the same way because they don't really care. They kind of just want to see like if there's something very significant popping out in your fecal matter. And if not, then they don't care. But typically, um, functional medicine doctors or naturopathic doctors will go deeper into your fecal matter tests and tell you like, Hey, you've got H pylori overgrowth, you know, or you have a viral issue going on. That's something that needs to be taken care of or else you'll never lose fat. You'll never lose weight. If you can't get your gut in check, your body is not going to want to let go of anything else because your body will not lose fat. If your body is not detoxing properly, because You cannot get rid of fat without a healthy liver because your liver is what processes out excess fat and utilizes it to make energy, et cetera. So if everything is inflamed and pissed off, your body is not going to process fat out. That's why whenever you drink alcohol, your body is not losing fat for up to 24 to 48 hours after you drink that alcohol because your liver is busy doing something else. It doesn't simultaneously burn fat and process out alcohol. So All of that is a tiny tangent, but it's an important one because it's important to understand how gluten products also influence all of that. Because if it's inflaming your gut, pissing it off, making your gut have leaky situation, a leaky situation, (laughs) it can cause so many issues for the rest of your body, um, including bringing that protein that it cannot digest into the blood stream. The body, the immune system attacks that protein And unfortunately, that protein looks very similar to the tissue on your thyroid. And that's why so many people who have gluten intolerance end up with Hashimoto's or Hashimoto's autoimmune, like my fiance, because the body starts to attack the thyroid tissue because it reads it as this foreign object that came in through the gut because the gut has been so pissed off and stressed. So do yourself a favor, try reducing the gluten as best you can and see how your body does. There are a lot of people who do just fine consuming gluten. If you're consuming gluten products that are imported from countries that don't use glyphosate and things like that, you might have a better chance of not having as many issues. It's never innately just the item itself. So there's a lot of people who might have uh, food intolerance tests that they did that said this or that, or 
allergy tests. Intolerances and allergies are very different. I'm going to do an entire hot take on that soon. So stay tuned for that. But it's important to understand that um, you actually should be able to get rid of both food allergies and intolerances through healing your gut and your body overall, because your body should be able to process at least low amounts of most natural food items. If it's not, something's wrong. And that's just how it goes. So it's very important to understand all of that. But I want to make sure that you know, everything is so interconnected. And wheat isn't just like whether or not you're team gluten-free or gluten. It doesn't go like that. It's very unique to your body. So remove any of that stigma from it. Ignore the haters if they're like, oh my God, you're gluten-free. And just follow what makes your body feel the best. Because in the end of the day, you're the only person who gets to walk around in life with yourself and your body. And if your health doesn't feel good, there's no sense in just doing what everybody else is doing just to feel like you belong. When in reality, you belong in your body. You belong radically connected to yourself and understanding what you need and smiling and waving at anybody who has something to say negatively about it on the other end. And again, myself, what I have found is that I do the best without gluten at least 85% of the time in my meals every week. Um, uh, The easiest tip that I can give you if you're somebody who's going to try it is follow cuisines of different cultures that naturally don't use gluten very much. This is Asian cultures. This is Mediterranean. There's so many different cultures that don't hardly use gluten because they don't have those crops as often historically. So anything that's rice-based or anything that is a veggie-based or um, ancient grain-based, you know, those are going to be cuisines and follow recipes through those. And you will have the easiest time transitioning to gluten-free because it's not involved at all anyways. The problem I see people uh, experience is they will try to go gluten-free and just buy gluten-free bread, gluten-free pasta, you know, and I'm like, this is so hard. It doesn't taste as good. Well, yeah, it probably won't because it doesn't have the same textural quality that gluten-containing products do, which is what gives bread the chew and the fluff, you know, that's because of gluten. But that just is a different cuisine style. Try learning new cuisines. Try exploring Asian cuisines. There's a whole world of amazing flavors, textures, and recipes in general through a multitude of Asian. There's Thai, there's Chinese, there's Japanese, there's um, Laotian. There's so many things that are available for you to try, um, and, and including, you know, obviously, great options through like Greek or um, Italian, but not gluten-containing Italian. There's like Italian that is more fish-heavy and vegetable-heavy and corn-heavy, I guess. There's so many options out there, guys. Um, And there's actually a good amount of like Latin foods that don't involve gluten either. So just open your mind to cuisines that don't contain gluten. That is my best professional tip from what I found to actually work for people, including myself. And it makes everything easier when you stop thinking about that you can't have the normal version of this or that. Just save that for a rare occasion and enjoy finding new foods for yourself now that naturally don't contain gluten. All 
All right, so let's get into a little bit of how to become a professional at reading labels to basically understand what the ingredients are gonna do to you if they are gluten containing or not. We're gonna start with what to look for on the label. So first thing you wanna look for, especially if you're more towards, if you understand your celiac, which presents itself as more of like an allergy to gluten containing products, you get a really horrible headache, sometimes migraines, you're barfing, like you're literally throwing up, um, you're swelling. Those are all symptoms of actually having some serious gluten um, reactions. So you're going to look for a third-party certification that's gluten-free certification organization, so GFCO, and that is considered safe certified for gluten-free customers. So That's going to always include that they have looked through the ingredient analysis. They've looked at the plants that have been utilized by the farmers. They do frequent testing. They do off-the-shelf product testing. And they make sure that there is no more than a very small, small, small percentage of gluten content in the tested foods. So it should be lower than anything that should affect somebody with celiac. The second thing you want to look for is just the words (laughs) gluten-free. That's kind of one of the easiest things, but the FDA regulation says that they have to comply with very specific gluten-free regulations to be able to say FDA gluten-free on their packaging. So you're going to make sure that you see anything relating to that. So that can also be no gluten, free of gluten, without gluten on the product labels. Something interesting to note is that you may still see in gluten-free food the ingredient wheat starch, but if it is a GFCO certified product, that means that the wheat has been processed so extensively that it meets the standard of um, what they call 10 ppm or less of gluten, and that would be considered parts per million as far as um, grams go, I believe. So with that to note, that sometimes you'll see wheat starch, but that just means it's highly processed, which I don't know if that's better or worse. (laughs) But if you're looking at gluten-free products that might have already typically been wheat including or any sort of grain that includes gluten, that's something important to look for. But I will say that if you are allergic to wheat specifically, which you can go get an allergy test with your doctors, both conventional medicine and Um, unconventional medicine, do that test. You want to avoid wheat starch. So even if it says gluten-free, if it includes wheat starch, you're going to want to avoid that in general because it's going to reduce your body's reaction to um, the wheat product itself. But again, to give you the list of the foods to avoid, you want to avoid any labels on the ingredient list that say wheat, rye, barley, some oats, malt, and brewer's yeast. Oats, has kind of an asterisk to it because that is only gluten containing when the oats have been rolled in flour. This is a really common process that they do when they roll oats because it keeps them from sticking together. This is easy to avoid when you buy things that have oats that are considered certified gluten-free, but it's important to note that not everything that's oat is innately gluten-free. So this includes oat milk, guys. You have to make sure that your oat milk says gluten-free on it because you might just be consuming flour rolled oats and that's going to contain gluten. I will give you a hot take on my uh, non-dairy milks here soon. So stay tuned for that because that's going to be juicy. But also do know that all types of wheat do include spelt, farro, and durum. And there's also like semolina, things like that. So do know that there are variations of wheat 
And then those other things like rye, barley, malt are involved in alcohol and liquor and such too. So you want to make sure that if you're trying to be gluten-free, especially if you're somebody who's celiac, you have to avoid a lot of different alcohols as well. You want to make sure that the alcohol even says gluten-free. All of that is very important to know. I hope that was helpful for you because it's a whole weird world, but it's an important one potentially, especially if you're somebody who does actually do better to not have gluten. I am gluten intolerant. I don't know if it's just because I'm half Asian or if it is just the state of my being because being a business owner and a very empathic person, everything stresses me out (laughs) Uh, because I take on more than I probably should. But I have learned that in order to balance out my very high stress life, A, I need to work on my stress management and continue to incorporate it, which I will go journal and meditate after this. (laughs) But also I have to take care of myself and eat the good foods and take the good supplements because I need to support my health so that I can continue to show up for my community and my family, friends, etc. which I guess that's also my community, but as best as I can. And I very much encourage you to consider doing that for yourself as well, because it is a world of importance because the better we can show up for each other and for ourselves, the better we can be in this planet in general. And that might sound like Miss America status, but it's serious and it's true because the more we take care of ourselves the better we can be in general, like overall for always. So highly recommend you take care of yourself by trying to be more gluten-free, see how your body does. Um, And it is something that is pretty unique to United States specific gluten-containing products. Um, There's so many people I know, especially even ones, like I'm not kidding you, I have friends that are from here and their family also lives in France, and she's celiac here, and she is not celiac in France. So what does that say about our products? Uh, And even when I visited Italy and a lot of northern Italy and interior Italy, uh, central, I guess, is very gluten-heavy, very gluten-heavy products. (laughs) And so I didn't have any bad reactions to all the very large amount of pastas and pizzas and breads that I consumed there. So I am a huge believer in understanding that we do have a problem with our gluten here or gluten containing products here in the United States. So if you can reduce it, that would be great. Um, And one more little story. One of my uh, beautiful, beautiful clients and friends is plant-based and she was trying to find higher protein foods because she's been doing an amazing job at trying to increase her protein intake because she's been working on her muscle. She actually found those better bagels and was like, oh my gosh, these are great. They're in higher in protein and this or that. And I remember purchasing those freaking $15 bagels when they first came out, um, maybe in like 2018 or something like that. And I was like, oh, this would be great because it's higher in protein, blah, blah, blah. I experienced, this is me, I experienced like some really weird gut reaction as well as back knee and some like chin acne. And I was like, huh, could it be these bagels? I'm not sure. Let's look at the ingredients list. And the ingredients, the main ingredient of where the protein is coming from is from wheat protein isolate. So I remembered being like, hmm. That sounds like possibly utilizing the gluten, which is the protein from the wheat, very condensed. 
very condensed form of gluten in this bagel. Sure enough, it is. That is what wheat protein isolate is, unfortunately. And so then I removed the bagels. I stopped eating them and my acne cleared up. Um, I already don't eat very much dairy. So for the people who think like maybe she was eating dairy though. No, it was definitely that because I am lactose intolerant and most of my life I've spent avoiding dairy until I've kind of better understood dairy, but that's another chat for another time. So when she approached me and said, these bagels, what do you think about them? I was like, Ooh, you know, I remember them having uh, wheat protein gluten in there or isolate. So let me know how you do, because I remember that caused me some issues. And then like a few weeks go by and she's experiencing some like significant acne that like I've been working with her for a couple of years now. So I'm like, we have not seen this before. And she's like, I've been getting this really weird acne and this or that. Like, what do you think it could be from? And I was like, you know what? Pretty sure it's those bagels. How frequently do you have those bagels? And she's like, like often, like daily or something like that. And I was like, okay, let's remove those bagels. And if in a couple of weeks your acne clears up, it's most likely those bagels. And uh, sure enough, it did. It did clear up and we're like, damn it. Because, you know, as much as I would really love, because I would love a high protein bagel that was good quality. Unfortunately, the way they're going about it and the ingredients they're using for the better bagel brand. Sorry if you're somebody who loves those, but I would not recommend them because wheat protein isolate is a little bit sketchy of an ingredient for me from just how seeing how my body and her body reacted to it by um, literally the body like purging it out of your skin. If your body is purging stuff out of your skin, that means your gut isn't digesting it properly. properly, And so that's a huge red flag. So uh, (laughs) that's just a little side tangent of real life situations with some of these products. And unfortunately, I have seen that like the Lenny and Larry's cookies and some of their other protein items they also are using wheat protein isolate. And so read the labels, get familiar with what they mean, because it is not always happy-go-lucky, unfortunately, with certain uh, food items, especially the where they're kind of massively processing and um, altering these food items nowadays. So, okay, guys, I hope that that was helpful for you and not uh, too much information or not enough information about gluten. And if you do want me to have a more scientific conversation about gluten itself, let me know, shoot me a DM or comment on this episode, wherever you're streaming, you know, whatever route you want to take. But again, I would love for you to come join our newsletter email list. We don't spam. I will say that again at coachbykales.com or coachkales.com. And if anything stood out to you and you would love to share this episode with somebody else to try gluten-free with your friend or your family member, that would be ideal for your health. You know, honestly, I would love to say that gluten doesn't have an issue and that it's fine and just keep eating it. But unfortunately, because of so many different people, I've observed having beneficial reactions to cutting out gluten as much as possible from their diet. I cannot say it enough. I do land in that camp of probably try gluten-free more often than not, just if you're somebody who is caring about um, not being as inflammatory in your gut as well as everything else in your body. So as always, celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. 
If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all, though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram.